It's Friday, the 5th of November, 2021. Welcome to Fear and Greed, the business podcast that sets you up for a successful day. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Morning, Michael. Food and construction businesses warn of big cost increases with the potential to hurt shareholders and consumers. That's our main story. Also this morning, retail sales recorded their worst quarter on record. One-time market darling Domino's share price falls 18% and what Leonardo DiCaprio, Ellen DeGeneres and Pitbull are doing at the UN Climate Summit. Then stay listening for Sean's chat to Pauline Vamos from the Governance Institute about boards and what they'll look like in the future. But first, Sean, in financial markets, inside businesses and around pay negotiations, the potential for inflation is really dominating discussions. And yesterday, some big companies said price rises were hurting earnings, demonstrating that inflation is hitting the real economy. That's exactly right, Michael. In Australia and globally, it's all about inflation at the moment. Is it transitory or something more permanent? And it's hitting all sorts of businesses at the moment. Yesterday, Domino's share price fell by more than 18% after the group came out and said high food costs and high energy costs meant it couldn't provide a short-term forecast for earnings. That's very unusual for the pizza maker. Building group CSR said the time taken to build new houses is longer because of disruptions in supply chains, labour shortages and cost pressures. It warned that there will be price increases across many products in months to come. Food group Inghams warned that sustained cost pressures have the potential to place upward pressure on prices. In its case, feed costs, notably grain, will hurt the bottom line. Its share price fell 5%. And investment bank UBS put out a note warning that cost pressures will hurt online retailer Kogan.com. There's plenty of price pressures in the real world out there. Uh, Of course, though, the Reserve Bank still seems pretty calm about potential price rises. Yes, we found that out on Tuesday. The Reserve Bank says Australia is different. There aren't sustained price rises in the pipeline, or at least not sharp sustained price rises. And that's why interest rates won't rise until late 2023. But many in financial markets disagree. And Domino's, CSR and Ingham's look like they disagree as well. None of the companies yesterday said that price rises were transitory. Now, undoubtedly, they're at least partly transitory, But the big question is how much of it will stick around. It's interesting to note, Michael, that the US Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank and the Bank of England have sounded much less comfortable about the outlook for inflation in recent days. So how then did markets perform over the past 24 hours? Well, it was a bit of a wild day yesterday. In the end, the S&P ASX 200 closed up half a percent to 7,428 points, but only after a very sharp, very late afternoon rally. Tech stocks and financials did best while energy stocks took a tumble as the price of oil came off. Commonwealth Bank led the financials higher. BHP was up, but both Fortescue Metals and Rio Tinto were down more than 1%. Oil and gas group Woodside was easily the worst performer of the large caps, down 2.7%. Michael, I've got to say too, it was a great day for the ASX first listed investment fund linked to cryptocurrency markets. The BetaShares Crypto Innovators ETF hit the bourse yesterday and there was a huge volume of trading. In fact, it easily smashed previous records for first day trading volumes. 
Now, listeners might remember we spoke to BetaShare CEO Alex Vinicor a couple of weeks ago about the listing, and he explained the ETF invests not so much in the digital currencies themselves, but all the back-end infrastructure, including blockchain technologies that help the market operate. It was a very good day for the BetaShare's Crypto Innovators ETF. Yes, yeah, certainly was. And that was a really interesting interview you did with Alex a couple of weeks ago. Definitely worth going back and having a listen. What, uh, what about overseas markets? What's happened overnight? There's quite a bit going on. Wall Street just keeps rising. In early afternoon trading, the Nasdaq 100 had extended its rally to nine days. That's the longest winning streak since last December. It was up more than 1.3%. The S&P 500 was also higher, though the Dow Jones Industrial Average was lower. In the United Kingdom, the central bank defied predictions and kept interest rates on hold overnight. Bond markets rallied in response, and European equity markets were also higher. OPEC overnight rejected President Joe Biden's demand to increase production of oil. While it has approved a 400,000 barrel a day hike for next month, that's not enough to take the heat out of the energy markets. Having said that, oil prices fell overnight, which will continue putting pressure on local energy stocks. The price of gold rose more than 1% over the past 24 hours, and the Aussie dollar is trading a touch under 74 US cents. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, plenty of stories around this morning. Retail sales have had their worst quarter on record in the three months to the end of September, with Sydney and Melbourne really dragging down turnover. Sure did. The Australian Bureau of Statistics figures showed that sales were down 4.4%, which was a much worse outcome than during the 2020 lockdowns. It was discretionary retailers that suffered most. Things like cafes and restaurants, clothing, footwear, personal accessories, department stores, household goods retailing, they all fell. While we know it was a bad quarter, what's significant about the data is that it suggests the current December quarter didn't start too well either, and that will hit the growth rate. And unlike what's being reported at the moment, there was heavy discounting during the quarter as retailers tried to move stock, and retail inflation was almost non-existent. Now, not surprisingly, online sales hit a fourth consecutive record, though even in that market, the pace of growth has slowed. And Australia's trade surplus has fallen from its record level. Yes, tumbling iron ore prices triggered a $3 billion drop in export earnings during September. There was also a half billion dollar fall in imports, mostly due to global supply chain constraints. The net of all that was a $12.2 billion surplus for the country, down $2.5 billion from August. Though I've got to say, Michael, they're still incredibly high levels. Now, Sean, you mentioned Domino's in the lead story, but that was quite a tumble yesterday. It, it certainly looks like all is not quite so rosy in the pizza world. Yes, that's true. Domino's had been one of the best performing stocks in the market until about the middle of September. It then trended lower on concerns about food costs and inflation, and those fears were confirmed and the stock was well and truly dumped yesterday. It ended down 18%. Now, global domination, at least outside the Americas, has been the theme at Domino's. The local group owns franchises across Europe and in Japan and now in Taiwan. Japan had been growing really fast, allowing Domino's to open plenty of new outlets. But sales in Japan are stumbling and inflation in energy and food costs, as we mentioned in the lead story, are really eating into earnings. So too is the rising Australian dollar, which doesn't help profits earned in other jurisdictions. Now, CEO Don May said there were short-term challenges as the world learnt to live with COVID-19, adding that the global number of outlets of Domino's today is 15% higher 
than a year ago. Now, while the group still expects its five-year plan to play out, it said ongoing changes in customer behaviour made short-term forecasting challenging. Hence, it didn't make a forecast, which is very unlike Domino's, and investors dumped the stock. It's a really interesting company, and I know you're a fan. Yeah, I have been for quite a while because it's an example of a traditional Australian business doing really well overseas. Essentially, they realise that pizzas are best when served hot. So I've spent tons of money on trying to get pizzas delivered really fast, and that's their competitive advantage. But it's also a company that's now being hit really hard by global cost pressures, and investors aren't impressed. Its share price has run pretty hard, and the sell-off yesterday was probably overdone, but certainly was probably necessary given the headwinds they're facing. Yeah, pretty tough day though. What's the latest COVID news? Well, the first locally manufactured rapid antigen self-test kit is now on sale, Michael, in pharmacies and some supermarkets around the country. The self-test nasal swab can detect the COVID-19 virus within about 15 minutes. Not sure that I actually want to conduct it myself, though. Cases reported yesterday were higher than earlier in the week. Victoria recorded 1,247 cases and nine deaths. New South Wales recorded 308 local cases and four deaths. The ACT recorded 13 new cases and Queensland recorded three, all in the border town of Gundawindi. But Michael, at least the vaccination rollout continues pretty well, with Victoria saying it's administered 10 million jabs now. Across the country, there's been more than 36 million jabs and 89% of Australians 16 years and older have had their first dose. 79% are fully vaccinated, which I think is a pretty incredible figure in just a few months. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Considering the slow start, we have come a long, long way. Great news. Now, a big day yesterday. Shareholders of US Payments Group Square have approved the issuance of shares to acquire Afterpay. Yes, and that's a really big step towards the deal going ahead and follows recent green lighting of the deal by the US antitrust regulator. Now the deal goes to Afterpay shareholders to vote on the scheme. That's expected to get the okay, given the board of the Buy Now Pay Later group has recommended the bid. All things being equal, the deal should be consummated in the first quarter of next year. Remember Square, which is controlled by co-founder Jack Dorsey of Twitter fame, bid $29 billion US dollars for Afterpay, which is about $39 billion Aussie. That's more than the value of the company currently, which has a market capitalisation of $36 billion. One of the really interesting parts of the deal is that Square will establish a secondary listing on the ASX. It makes it much easier for local investors to buy Square shares. And it also sets a precedent if other major players want to buy Aussie companies, particularly the tech companies. Outside Afterpay, Xero is a global leader in accounting software. WiseTech Global can make the same claim in the supply chain software category. Add in project management software group Atlassian, which is listed on Wall Street, and a privately owned graphic design software group Canva, and Australia has created some really serious tech players. Okay, Sean, what's making headlines in today's news media? Well, the Financial Review is reporting that Westpac became the first bank to lift fixed rate mortgages following the Reserve Bank's decision to abandon its yield curve target. Westpac's three-year fixed rate is now at 2.29%, four years is at 2.69%, and five years is at 2.99%. The Australian is reporting that Prime Minister Scott Morrison will embark on a week-long tour through Victoria and New South Wales 
to reconnect with voters personally after months of COVID-19 lockdowns and focus political attention on the strength of the post-pandemic recovery. And finally, Bloomberg is reporting that scientists from the University of Oxford have identified a specific gene that doubles the risk of respiratory failure from COVID-19 and may go some way towards explaining why some ethnic groups are more susceptible to severe disease than others. It comes as the World Health Organization warns that a surge in coronavirus cases in Europe and Central Asia has pushed that region back as the epicentre of the pandemic. Running through some of the other stories around today, the competition regulator has cleared the way for beer giant Lion to buy brewer Fermentum and its Stone and Wood brand, in part because Lion's craft beers are considered by consumers to be mainstream brands. Some Lion beers, such as Kosciuszko Pale Ale, which is a personal favourite, White Rabbit and Little Creatures were considered mainstream, not craft. In any case, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission said there were plenty of craft beers on the shelves and plenty of competition in the market. Papua New Guinea Prime Minister James Marabe has declared that all gold mined in PNG must be refined in the country from 2025. The government has signed a deal with private firm Refinery Holdings to undertake the process. It impacts Australia's biggest gold digger, Newcrest Mining, which operates the Lahir gold mine in the country. The announcement, I think we can say, took many by surprise, and Newcrest yesterday said it was looking for further details on the proposal. Downer EDI, which includes a large hospitality business that caters at the MCG, has been hit hard by the COVID disruption, but CEO Grant Fern told investors at yesterday's AGM that the worst was over. He said demand for downer services remained strong as economies reopen. Retailer Solly Lou won the skirmish against the board of Maya yesterday, but lost the battle. The 16% shareholder of the department store helped trigger a second strike against the remuneration report causing a vote on a spill of the board, but that vote was defeated. My chair, Joanne Stevenson, said the board had tried to have a constructive dialogue with Mr Liu. Staying with the military analogy, they might have won the battle, but the war continues. What's the key overseas news this morning? A number of Chinese provinces have reported new outbreaks of the Delta variant of COVID. As a result, authorities are trying to ring-fence Beijing to keep the virus out with people from affected regions not allowed into the capital. It's a very big few months for Beijing, with the Winter Olympic Games less than 100 days away. And finally, Michael, discussions in Glasgow at the United Nations Climate Change Summit continue. Over 30 celebrities, including Leonardo DiCaprio, Sher, Cindy Lauper, Ellen DeGeneres and Pitbull, have backed a United Nations campaign to urge leaders to accelerate achieving climate change. Now, the entertainers, Michael, used their social media accounts to encourage change, and more importantly, to alert their followers of the climate crisis and what's going on in Glasgow at the moment. Oh, that's good of them, isn't it? Very generous. Now, Sean, up next is the daily interview, and today you're speaking to Pauline Vamos, the chair of the Governance Institute of Australia. That's right. I spoke to Pauline about boards and the challenges they face in the current environment. We discussed things like ESG, the skills board members need. Really interesting take. Yeah, that's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Have a great day, Michael. It's Friday, the 5th of November, 2021. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, on Twitter and Facebook. And remember to sign up for our free daily newsletter at fearandgreed.com.au. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.